way. This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Josh Bagriansky with you here. Special MLS is back edition of the Mouths of the South podcast. Uh, very happy to be with you guys today and very happy to be sponsored by Lucid FC, the perfect marriage of cultures of a soccer slash football culture and a stylistic clothing culture. Uh, so they're great to us. Obviously, I have a bunch yeah. of Lucid FC stuff, as do you. Great product and, uh, you know, local guys that care about the community and their product. So, yeah, I can't they're a they, we've had a great time working with them and they definitely encourage you guys go and uh, you know follow their social and uh get their stuff because it's top quality stuff at lucid fc on twitter and instagram check out all their cool cool merchandise and uh their sweet logo you know it's kind of like a turned around hashtag a little bit and uh it's definitely distinctive so people will uh you'll turn heads when you're rocking lucid fc apparel all right uh we'll dive right in here MLS is back. back. Very, uh, yeah, very happy to at least have some soccer to be watching. Um, by the way, we are pre- presented by Dirty South Soccer, SB Nation's home for all things Atlanta United on the World Wide Web. Um, it's been cool to watch these games, obviously. There's been some pretty exciting ones. The first ever uh, Florida Derby. Uh, well, not first ever, because I guess in 2001, you had like Tampa Bay Mutiny and Miami Fusion yes. going head-to-head. Yes. But uh, the rekindling of a Florida Derby, the first time two teams have played each other from that state in MLS competition since 2001. And, uh, you know, maybe I don't want to give credit to Orlando. That might be going too far. But I think one thing I took from the the opening game was that MLS is still a league where if you're like a world-class player or have world-class talent like Nani does, you can take over games. And that's, yeah. that's I don't know if that's like a – a praise of the league or not, or it's like the league still has a ways to go because if, if a, a player on a team is that talented, we've seen it with your Nani's, your Wayne Rooney's, your Zlatan Ibrahimovic's, those guys, when they're on their game and when they're, you know, committed to playing well, they can't be stopped in, in this league. And, and it's, I think it's more a, I guess it's a commentary on the defend, you know, the defenses of MLS. They're just not up to snuff. As of yet, I think that's the thing that probably comes around last. You obviously are going to attract attacking talent, but that's going to be what comes along the slowest, and it, yeah. it's still got a ways to go. And, and you know, I, I think the big picture thing is this is one thing I actually that makes MLS so exciting is that with so much of the money that's been injected into the league in terms of what teams can spend, or, you know, over the last five years or so, you've seen a lot of teams go out and spend that on attacking talent, not necessarily defensive exactly. talent. And you see the teams that have gotten that balance right, Atlanta United being one of them, uh, that that are having the most success. But you know, you mentioned Nani and match in general you know yeah i mean a bit of it is like you say mls defending has a waste but i'll tell you who has a longer ways to go is inter miami you know it's really it's incredible to me and obviously it's their first year so i'm you know i'm not counting them out i think they've got a great thing going on there but based on what we were thinking this club was going to look like a year ago 
You know, we were thinking they're going to come into the league like LAFC, like Atlanta United did, hit the ground running. And then you watch this match against where they look basically a, a complete mess in the back. You're, uh, you know, and not able to create chances or eliminated the first half. And they were very unfortunate not to be up sooner. And I think they were, I thought they were good credit points. But as you kind of mentioned early, Sam, I mean, I, I, I'm, again, I, ha- and again, we're biased, but I really credit Orlando because I thought a lot of this, particularly the winner for Nani, came from poor play from Inter Miami. So on the one side, it's a great start for Orlando. Uh, definitely are seeing these teams are still just getting their footing being so early, but Inter Miami, I mean, it, this is the first time I've been able to watch them for a full 90 minutes. And uh, they are nowhere close to where they kind of were advertising that they would be at this point in their first season. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. And it's, it's kind of a shame that uh, they came out and got that first goal and then just really looked toothless after that. And the goal from Inter Miami from uh, Juan Agudelo, who had missed a, a golden opportunity earlier oh in the God. game, <laughs> was, uh, their yeah, goal was very well worked. I mean, it was great yes. passing, uh, great use of the triangles uh, on the field. You could kind of tell where people's uh, movements were. Uh, it was a one of those kind of off the training ground type goals. So I think they showed a little flash there. But yeah, I agree with you. They've got a long way to go. And this whole tournament, uh, you know, obviously has a long way to go. And it seemed like it would have an even longer way to go when things started. When you know, right out of the gate, FC Dallas can't even be in the tournament. And then also <laughs> yeah. Nashville now has been taken out of the tournament as well. It even things up in terms of the groups. Now every group has four teams as opposed to one group having six teams. It's it's been very MLS so far. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that is. And I think that's what I said uh, when the Nani goal went in, uh, just deflected off the the defender, obviously, for Inter-Miami. And Nani was able to tap it home. It's like that is a very MLS way to win a game. (laughs) And And you know what's even crazier? No, and again, to kind of connect it to Miami is – they played five in the back, like legitimately five defenders and scored. Yeah. Two, the, when you consider the way the two goals were scored off them, they had the numbers there. It's just, I mean, it really says, it really says a lot. I think that, that this was, this was the way they chose to play five in the back, you know, go out and basically play a five four one and try to sit back and defend. That is obviously not the team that uh, they were expecting to have right now, but you know, I think bigger picture, I know we're going to talk about all the games briefly is you're seeing, I think, as we expected this, you know, these teams haven't played in a long time. They're still getting their footing, but the fitness is clearly not there. The sharpness is clearly not there. Uh, and hopefully we'll start to see some more cohesion and quality over the 90 minutes as this tournament continues. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, the, the team, especially uh, the Philadelphia uh, game against NYCFC, you know, the humidity and heat were so much, uh, in that earlier in the day slot. I think they thought that playing at 9 a.m., they'd be able to kind of avoid yeah. that a little bit, but Orlando not in was Orlando, you yeah. know, not in Florida. We've all been to Disney World during the summertime at one point in Oof. our life. We know that hell that the, the heat can be. So uh, yeah. certainly uh, it's it, they're feeling it uh, right now in those early slots. And Atlanta only has one of those games, and it's against Cincinnati. So you get the weakest uh, opponent uh, in, in those kind of conditions. So that might help Atlanta United's case there. But uh, I thought, you know, I mentioned that Philly game, uh, you know, Alejandro Bedoya with a very nice goal uh, in that game. And uh, he's got, you know, a little bit of a different look with the uh, shaved head uh, now, uh, yeah. a little different coming out of a, coming out of quarantine, I guess. 
But um, overall, I thought that game, I thought NYCFC, who, again, is a team that a lot of people always rate very highly, you know, I thought they looked pretty toothless. I, I didn't, wasn't impressed by them at all in that game. And Philadelphia is a team that I just think is so solid that if you're not bringing your A game against them, you're, you're going to be in trouble because they'll find a way to get one or two. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, not a lot to separate those two sides. And based on what we saw from them last season, you know, not not a big surprise. Two teams with similar uh, similar success in the Eastern Conference last year. But, you know, again, that's when I would have liked to see a couple months from now when they had their legs under them. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think uh, you're spot on about the heat. I mean, you could really see the players struggling tour. But um, I think Philadelphia looked a little bit fitter and – no, no coincidence that they end up scoring a goal in, the, in what the last 20, 25 minutes of the match from Bedoya. Yeah. And then uh, the other match we've had in this tournament so far, uh, you know, we're recording this here on Friday. So later tonight, uh, Seattle uh, will take the field. And, you know, that's obviously a team that a lot of people will make one of the favorites to win yeah. this. So they haven't played yet. But, and against, um, it will be interesting to watch this year, I think. It'll be a fun game. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, the other game that has happened by, you know, the time we started to record this uh, was a good one nil win for the New England Revolution um, over Montreal. And Montreal is funny to me because the, their best potential player is the guy that's their manager right now. <laughs> so it's like he's better than anyone they could run out there as a substitute anyway. When you yeah. got Thierry Henry. Yeah. Uh, Roman Asylums, even at his age, I'm sure he come too. on. He does look he good, that's good. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> even at his age, he could probably come in and still do some damage, uh, especially against MLS defenses. But I thought that uh, you had two really big moments in this game. Gustavo Bo's goal is probably going to be a candidate for goal of the tournament, uh, the way that yeah. he cut in strike. and smashed one upper 90 uh, to give New England that win. And then with literally like five seconds left, I think the, there were six minutes of stoppage time, and the clock read like 95 uh, 55. So like five seconds left of the game. And um, uh, Turner, the keeper for New England, makes an incredible one-handed save uh, yeah. to to preserve that win. So I think that you've had some pretty exciting moments. I think this tournament, it's a slow burn because you're, you're getting yeah. back into things. But once the knockout round starts and, and you start to get that really dramatic soccer you get in knockout round type environments, then I think it's going to pick up even more. And and you're going to have a lot more interest when you get the, the kind of cream of the crop teams uh, playing against each other, even though you're going to have one of those matchups with Atlanta United and New York Red Bulls coming up on a Saturday night. Yeah. then that's going to be a great one. You know, I, I think the, in terms of the theme that we can connect all the matches so far with that one nil win for new England, again, very, very much looking like a preseason match, super, super stretched. Um, but Montreal really, really struggled. Um, it, they, they, and again, I think that the teams that are just a little more fit are the ones that are uh, that have looked good early on. But looking forward to, uh, toward, hopefully, as you meant, you know, there have been some flashes of what we were used to in terms of the quality of the sides that have played so far. It's been a bit lacking overall. Hopefully, we see, we'll see more flashes than that kind of lack of fitness and sharpness uh, that I alluded to with Atlanta and New York tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, one, th- obviously we're going to talk mostly about Atlanta United. I think the most interesting part of this match is, is how is Frank DeBoer tactically going to ha- handle the absence of Joseph Martinez? So much has changed, you know, since, since, since the break where before, obviously 
uh, Adam John uh, seemed to be your only real option. But now that you've kind of integrated Castro into the side, and then you've also have Frank DeBoer mentioning uh, that he wants to use Ezekiel Barco and P.T. Martinez as false nines, I think you might see a really interesting, fluid kind of attack from Atlanta United tomorrow. That, that And it's going to be a real test of Frank DeBoer's tactical acumen because playing a false nine, you know, on the one hand, you can drive a team nuts because you could be on the ball 60 70% of the time because you have that forward dropping back into the midfield. On the other hand, you know, it can turn into the that kind of Atlanta United that we saw early uh, in 2019 where you have all the ball, but you're not creating a darn thing. And if, if that's the case, we all know that New York Red Bulls can get out and counter quite well. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for tomorrow mainly is, is, is what what is the tactical setup for that front three and how are you going to have players with Lee where you're able to fill Joseph Martinez's shoes uh, without a traditional number nine to do that? Yeah, and it's interesting to me because I think when you go over like the history of great soccer teams, there really has been only one team that sort of used a sort of like, like a revolving false nine. And I think that's Barcelona when they had Ronaldinho and Messi on yeah. the same team because you have two guys that want to do the same thing. You know, they want to be on the ball. They want to help distribute, but they also want to make these runs and goal. And I think that in a perfect world, that's the kind of thing you'll have Barco and Pitti doing in this system yep. is you'll have both of these guys that can kind of read each other, maybe kind of give each other the glances and be like, hey, I'll make this run, you know, just depending on the situations. And I think that, you know, that that understanding of those two, particularly uh, now that they've had a, enough time to play together, uh, you know, I think that especially in Joseph's absence last season, we saw Pitti kind of do this and do it pretty effectively. So I think that when you have these two, you want to kind of have that role where it's it's uh, it's based off of each other's understanding of each other, yeah. but also yeah. based off of this kind of free-flowing system that we at times see Frank DeBoer want to want to utilize. It's funny because you talk about like total football, and I think Frank DeBoer wants total football from like the number six forward, yeah. but for the back line, he doesn't want total football because he doesn't want them moving. Like, he doesn't want them like charging on the field as much as like, say, like a LGP or some of these other guys, and even Franco Escobar, who I think – still charges forward but nowhere near like it with as much gusto as i think we saw him do and then the kind of latter years under tata or the latter year rather uh, under tata martino i'm talking like this club's like 20 years old <laughs> um uh you know i think that it's it's like total football other than your defenders it's like it's almost like a a box in one in, in basketball right. where you've got like four guys that have to stay in the in, in their zone spot and then the one guy that can kind of go around right. and follow the best player. Like, I think that's kind of what you want to see with, with that Frank DeMore defense. And I mean, and I mean, not only do they want, because he wants them to stay back, they have to, because it's, right. he plays three defenders, and we've talked about this all the time, uh, is that his wingbacks are really wide midfielders. Like, yeah. So it's, it's not like, again, you mentioned Tata Martino, when you play three in the back with him, you think about the MLS Cup run, a lot of times it was actually five in the back. With mm-hmm. DeBoer, it's really just those three. I mean, I mean, and even his center mids, he wants to play more box to box. So, again, if you're you, you go back to the front three, and you you've got to get you know, and it's again here we're comparing Barco and PT Martinez to you know Messi, uh, Ronaldinho. Uh, that was the best example I had. Okay, you know, <laughs> no, I know, I know, and that that's an example of it. Not only uh, that's an example of it working very well. And you're if you compare just the 
way that those players see the game, they are actually quite similar. You know, you talk about P.T. Martinez and Barco are players who, yeah, maybe you consider them wingers, but they're not ones to come back defensively. They want to find pockets of space in the attack and score and assist and uh, almost play as a second striker at times. So this does, this tactic does suit them. And I think that even those first, I mean, we haven't seen much of them this season, but it really did seem like those two in particular were much more in sync uh, over the, over those first couple matches of the season. So hopefully we'll see a continuation with that. And hopefully when Frank DeBoer, uh, who was, uh, just heaping praise upon PT this week. Uh, you know, hopefully that's part of it, you know, is that he's, you know, we always knew we had quality, but he's starting to fit in better with the team, understand how to play with his teammates. And that's going to be especially critical in this system where you've got guys just kind of, you know, filtering in and out uh, and not playing a, a out and out number nine. If those guys are not able to create chances, if those guys are not able to, you know, get a goal, then the reality is, those three left in the back are just eventually going to be hung out to dry. So they're, you know, the way Frank DeBoer plays it, you know, you've got to be creating chances in order for it to work, or you're just going to get countered over and over and over again. And the onus is really on those two. And we'll see who the third one is in that three. And that'll be interesting to see who that is tomorrow as well. Um, but what you get from those three in terms of how dangerous they look in the final third is probably going to determine determine the success that you have defensively as well. Yeah. And I think a real shame in this tournament is not going to, uh, or not being able to see Jurgen Dom, uh, just because sure. these kind of tournaments are very good for stupid, experimentation stupid rule, by the way, by yeah, the MLS to not allow the, team play. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think no, that's no, affecting Miami with a LGP as well yeah, that's why he's not there. Uh, to where yeah. it's like, yeah, you can't have these guys. And it's like, this is the perfect scenario to integrate these kind of players into your team. You know, it's a perfect because a lot of teams yeah, are no experienced. There's five substitutes, and you're not able to, you know, get these guys into your team and get them match fit along with the rest of the team. It was a really dumb, kind of short sighted decision, I feel like, from MLS. But it would be great to see Jurgen Dom and how he would kind of mesh with Pitti, mesh with Barco uh, in, in the system of, of Frank DeBoer. So that, that's obviously a big uh, swing and a miss there uh, from the league's perspective and for Atlanta United. But kind of jump into Red Bulls here where, I think a lot of people finally expected that this would be the season where they took a step back. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, we've been saying that for years, I think, with with basically ever since Henri left, we kind of thought they would fall off, and they have yet to do so. They've done a very good job of, you know, building that club from within. They don't, uh, you know, they in their kind of middle, like right when they turned into the New York Red Bulls, they were very much into kind of trying to sign some of these big stars. You know, you would see what, like a Juan Pablo Angel show up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you see Claudio uh, Henry show up there, Claudio Arena well. show up there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, they, they went, they were sort of a quote unquote Galactico side, if you will. Um, but they've done a lot better in recent years of building from within and really trying to, you know, make that team uh, one that can kind of be self-sustaining. But this was the year that they were expected to take a step back. So, you know, they probably the lowest percentage of people picked them to make MLS uh, Cup playoffs than like maybe ever has. So I think people are just looking at that team and they see it and they know that there is talent there, but it's talent that may have taken a step back or, you know, trying to get younger to get better for the future. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. It's still a good side, but it's not, uh, uh, you know, particularly losing you know a player like Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, up top and then obviously uh, Luis Robles losing him who we saw uh, for Miami the other, the other evening uh, so it's definitely not 
I don't I don't find it to be quite as as a dangerous of a team in terms of their balance. You know, I, I think uh, a player, particularly like Bradley Wright Phillips, definitely added that because if you look at the side, they have in attack they have some really skilled players in a Kaku and a Daniel uh, Royer and a Velo, but. They don't have, you know, Brian White is basically the, the your traditional nine right now. And you're not, he's not, he's far from a bona fide MLS goal scorer. So when I look at this team, I, I, I just, I just kind of see a lack of balance. Um, and a big reason is you've got some real skillful players in attack, but do you have that player on your roster that, and we'll see, you know, but do you have that player on your roster uh, that can add for you? And obviously that was, Bradley Wright Phillips in years past. And that's one reason I think from Atlanta United standpoint, this is probably match. And again, we're completely irresponsibly speculating because there haven't been any games in, you know, four months. So don't hold this against us when we look stupid. Uh, but I, I, you know, I look at them from Atlanta United's perspective, if I'm just leaving those three back, I really do think I can control them uh, when, when they, when they go at those three, because yeah, you have some very skillful, good players on the ball, but you there's not a there's not from what I can tell a uh, a bona fide goal scorer on this roster, at least one that's established themselves yet. So that's got to make you feel a little better as well if you're Land United about attacking, about committing numbers forward because it looks you know just on paper like the Red Bulls maybe lack a little bit of balance and attack. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that, and I think that. The, the it's going to be the grand experiment of false nines uh yeah versus sort of how the the red bulls can generate attack uh, you know something that is uh maybe a little bit of a shock to the system for them although i'll, I'll single out a guy that you talked about uh for briefly there daniel royer uh, that guy can strike from like anywhere he's one of those players that you really have to be cognizant of of where he is on the field at all yeah. times and uh, and he's a guy who, you know, one of these European players that that has that sense of audacity that I think over the years we've really criticized U.S. players and, and maybe MLS players to that extent for not having it, you know, where, you know, what's a have a go, you know, just just, just yeah. crank one. And, and he's a guy who has that and, uh, you know, have a go. And, and, and what's the worst that could happen kind of mentality. And he's scored many goals uh, having that mentality for the, uh, the, the New York Red Bulls. So he, he's a definitely a danger man to watch out for, despite, like you said, them not having maybe as much attacking talent and depth as they've had in the past. So going to be very exciting to watch Atlanta United and, and the Red Bulls uh, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just going to be good to be back. You know, I, I see that Atlanta hadn't gotten to this point yet, but uh, what would you think of that uh, Gillette Stadium being the drive-in where all their uh, New, York, New England Revolution fans could go and, like, park their car inside yeah, that of was, a, That was pretty Gillette. cool. That yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see teams getting creative with this stuff. And, you know, Atlanta United, I don't, we'll see what they do, but uh, they've always – talked about the very, backyard. Would you show up in the backyard? Oh, if, uh, uh, I'm, dude, I would go anywhere to watch a game <laughs> – Close to Atlanta United. I mean, not close, you know, but, you know, around other fans. I would I would be there in a heartbeat. And this is a club that's always been good at thinking outside the box. With, uh, so um, hopefully they can pull something like that off. Yeah, certainly. That would be great. I think that, you know, before we kind of wrap things up here, I think that, you know, for this tournament, there's still one big thing hanging over it is, you know, what are you going to do? with the three games that are being missed now by Dallas and uh, Nashville, some would say that, you know, they're the ones 
that got themselves into this mess. I know you've been critical of FC Dallas uh, in particular, and uh, I guess uh, Nashville is still really new, so I haven't really gotten your thoughts on them yet, although I assume they would be somewhat similar to uh, at what you think about FC Dallas. But I think that at this point, maybe all you can do is just give them no points, you know, just give them three losses because, I mean, what else can you do? It might not be fair to them exactly, but in terms of the league, in terms of the standings and all that stuff, what really – there's nothing else you can do. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see uh, – you know, and I think – I don't know. I, I think that they're going to have the make up the games somehow based on uh, what we've heard from MLS and, and all that. Um, we'll get deeper, you know, and we really wanted to make sure we made this all about – the games and, and soccer on the podcast this week. But, um, you know, I think the plan is for them to, to make up the games. Uh, I do agree with you though. I mean, I just feel, you know, you had two teams show up with 20 cases <laughs> and you had <laughs> the rest show up with two. So, you know, do the math, I, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a lot more later, but I, I would be interested to hear, uh, especially considering what happened with Orlando Pride and NWSL, where what happened, you know, because uh, it's difficult for to have that sort. From what we know, it's difficult to have that much spread in that short of a time um, without. I don't know. I, again, I don't want to say things that I I don't know, but say them. <laughs> you would, you know, it, it would. It's difficult for that sort of spread to. Have that quickly if uh everyone is following protocol or even if one person doesn't follow protocol and everyone else does it would still be difficult from you know, and again there's things we don't know a lot but it's diff- it's just it would be difficult it would be, it would be it's either something incredibly unlucky happened or um someone or some people were being incredibly irresponsible so i do hope that people continue to ask questions about this because i'm you know if the teams uh, themselves are are like I said, incredibly unlucky, and that can you know happen. Uh, I, I hope that they're they're able to get their story out, and uh, if it's the other way, I, I hope that that truth comes to light as well. Um, but hopefully, this story has get gotten to the bottom of. But the good thing is, you know, the rest of the league, it, things look good uh, in the rest of the bubble, and that MLS was able uh, to basically still have the tournament uh, have, go on without a hitch. Miles of the South podcast, Sam Franco, Josh Bagrianski here with you. Uh, Going to wrap up on this note. I was watching the Champions League uh, draw, or keeping up, rather, with the Champions League draw. I know morning. you're going with this. <laughs> and uh, kind of stumbled upon a little nugget that I think this was widely expected, but CBS is actually picking up the rest of the Champions League this year because Turner just straight up dropped. They were like, all right, we're not doing this anymore. So Turner Sports out, CBS Sports in for the Champions League. And they're basically going to put like 90% of the tournament behind a paywall uh, going forward. I think the the deal that they have is for the rest of this tournament as well as next year and the Europa League. So basically, good luck finding the Europa League unless you subscribe to whatever CBS All Access uh, charges you. Tough being an Arsenal fan, man. Tough being an Arsenal (laughs) fan. (laughs) Yes, uh, certainly is. Um, But it just kind of, you know, uh, grinds my gears, if you will, that like we're in 2020 and you've still got a tournament that's as big as the Champions League being gobbled up by CBS Sports just so they can pad their pockets uh, with more subscriptions 
to their CBS All Access streaming package. Uh, it, you know, we've seen this with the Premier League. Uh, it doesn't really affect the Premier League as much because all the big matches are still on TV, whether it's NBC proper or NBC Sports. Um, I don't think you're going to really get that from CBS Sports. I think they're going to put as many matches as possible on this streaming platform. You might get like the final and the semifinals and maybe like one big game uh, every like match day, uh, which stinks. You know, <laughs> it's going to stink yeah. to have to figure out a way to watch these either by paying or um, by not, although I, I cannot endorse not paying for it. Uh, that is uh, against the law. Just trying to tell you, out there. <laughs> but it is an option. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and it just, it just thanks, man. Cause I mean, again, we're in 2020, these games should be uh, in whatever like package that you pay for, like the one package, whether you, you have cable or sling or Fubo or whatever, you should be able to watch these games without having to pay for something else. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And I, you know, I remember, you know, one of the things that surpri- has surprised me throughout the year is how many uh, people I know that have been fans of the game in Europe uh, and lived in Europe said, you know, you actually have more access to uh, games than we do, you know, because they, and um, just because, you know, they, they knew basically the teams in Europe and the leagues knew people are going to watch no matter what. Uh, so we can get them to pay or, or, or whatever. And uh, it seems that uh, you're seeing the U S kind of go down that, that path as well now uh, in terms of, of things being behind a paywall and whatnot. So, you know, a big part of this though, I think is that, you know, you've seen so many of these channels uh, struggle to, uh, to make deals with cable companies, with cable companies, you know, I mean, uh, being sports, for instance, you know, you talk about things being behind a paywall. I mean, pretty much anything on being sports, you know, which is a ton of leagues, it, you, you have to get Fubo TV or something like, you know, cause it's on. So it, it, they've, been un- unable to re- uh, deal with so many different cable networks, not on satellite. Uh, so, we're, you know, we're, it, particularly if you're a soccer fan, I think you're getting very, very close, if you haven't already, to going ahead and cutting the cord. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's, seems to be what makes the most sense. Like, I live in an apartment complex where you, like, like the, the cable bills, like, put into your rent. So, like, I have to have uh, you know, Comcast or whatever, and it's mm-hmm, fine. Right. But yeah, I don't think if I like had to, I probably would have gone with like one of the the streaming, like a YouTube TV or Sling or something by now. Right. But it's just frustrating that again, 2020, and we're still throwing like soccer games behind these like paywalls. Although it's been going on for a while, you know, you've always had what like Fox Soccer Plus and uh, ESPN yeah. Plus, and like all these things yeah. you got to pay a little bit more money for. It's just uh, just thinks that you're going to get nickel and dimed again, but. It is the Champions League. There's some savory ties coming up here with, um, uh, you know, Real Madrid and Man City is going to be a good one. Uh, I think Juventus and Lyon both are probably looking at their draw being like, we got the short end or the the, 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 the long end of the stick by yeah. getting Lyon as opposed to one of these other teams. I think so, yeah. Um, God, but, August you know, is going to be fun, man. That is going to be so fun to just basically have a month of Champions League with all the games, matches compressed. To, I mean, that's just going to be so fun. Give me your team. Who's going to win? Um, I think Man City. I mean, I, I know that's that's uh that's lame, but uh you know they did they didn't yeah, win a trophy. They obviously didn't win the, um, and obviously we know they can play. And I think uh, for quite some time, you know, pandemic or not, this was the tournament they were uh, devoting their priorities to. So I think uh, I think that they they are the team. But uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch, and it's real. I mean, really, I mean, 
you know, we really don't know what to expect, you know, I mean, just because of the uniqueness of this season. Uh, so it's going to be fantastic to watch. And I know I'll be watching Atalanta, though, and cheering for them. I think maybe <laughs> maybe the most fun team to watch in the world. Uh, and I'm not I'm not I'm not, you know, if you want to we can talk about that if you want. But I, I really find them just fascinating to watch. Goals are plenty on both sides. Sometimes, you know, sometimes conceding, sometimes scoring. Uh, Atalanta, my team to watch. Man City to win the Champions League. I'm not going to talk about Atalanta because it's Serie A, which I find patently boring for the most part. So I'm just going to devote my time here to saying that uh, I'm going to call for something crazy. I think uh, there are two players right now that can claim best form in the Premier League since the restart. One of them is uh, Bruno uh, Fernandez for Manchester United. Absolutely. And the other is Christian Pulisic. And I think his form is going to run Chelsea all the way to Champions League glory. And you're going to see an American player hoist that thing up in the sky, I believe, for the first time. I don't think that's ever happened before. So that would be pretty so. cool to see an American player hoisting the Champions League trophy. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Chelsea's Captain America gets the job done because he's on some of the best form of, of any player in the world right now, uh, playing very well and scoring goals for Chelsea. So uh, I'm going to pick them, even though I hate them and I hate Man City. Uh, Real Madrid is the team I would want to win out of all of these, or Bayern Munich, either one. I like both of those squads. But I'm going to go Chelsea just to uh, throw out something different and uh, cheer on our boy, uh, Christian Pulisic. And it's an Um, interesting shout because you might, I mean, this hasn't been settled yet, but you might have Timo Verno in a a, a, uh, potentially ready to come into the Chelsea side. So it's going to be really interesting. Certainly, certainly to say the least. Uh, he's Josh Bagransky at Josh B914 on Twitter. I'm Sam Franco at Sam J Franco. We are the Mouths of the South podcast at MOTS podcast on Twitter. Also uh, brought to you by Dirty South Soccer at Dirty South SOC on Twitter. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Lucid FC at Lucid FC, Twitter and Instagram, uh, Lucid Footwear and Clothing at Lucid FC, Twitter and Instagram footwear and clothing great brand we love lucid fc we love all of their gear i've got got some hats i've got some sweatshirts uh love it love it love it so check them out at lucid fc twitter and instagram Uh, they have a uh store brick and mortar you know people still have those Uh, and this one is right in the uh, heart of buckhead so check them out again at lucid fc twitter and instagram so for uh, josh bagranski i am sam franco thank you so much for joining us back soon with another episode of the miles of the south podcast Talk to y'all later, Atlanta.